those debates. Now, if you haven't been, you, you need to, simply because we're going to be electing the next president of the United States, and you need to be involved in that. You really, really do. Um, Again, around here, we never tell you who to vote for. That's between you and the Lord. But you need to vote. You need to be involved. And you ought to vote, uh, vote the Word of God, you see. So get involved. Okay? And so with that as the backdrop, some nasty things being, being said and, um, you know, debates and elections and things can get pretty ugly. But this one is unusually ugly. Um, some nasty stuff being said, picking on physical features. I don't know if you've heard that. Some vulgar things, very vulgar. Um, so with that as the backdrop, I want to talk to you today about Jesus at the debate. Jesus at the debate. Did you know Jesus is an excellent debater? Absolutely the best. You don't want to get into a debate with Jesus because you're going to lose. You need to realize that. Uh, but be that as it may, I want to look at Jesus at the debates because as we're watching these debates on television, just knowing what Jesus would and wouldn't do would be very helpful to us. And plus, you know, you're, have you ever run across people that want to argue with you and debate with you? And so this will arm you up and help you to be a better debater yourself. So let's, let's look here today at Jesus at the debate. Now, anybody interested in this? would be interested. Interesting. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, now they came at Jesus to debate him, to argue with him. Now, the people that Jesus had to deal with were very, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the... The Sadducees, these people were really nasty folk. I mean, but you know, people are people and you know, some of the news media is pretty nasty, aren't they? And so people are people, just I guess the difference between then and now is we have media and they didn't have back then, like we have today. They didn't have Twitter and Facebook and all of that, but people are people, but Jesus had some real doozies. Some real wicked people to deal with. These are the kind of people that they excommunicated a blind man, threw him out of the synagogue, because Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. Now that's the kind of people that we're dealing with, that Jesus was dealing with. These, are the, the, these people said uh, to Jesus, they said, you have six days in which... You could heal and you could have brought this man and he could have been healed on any other day of the week. Just don't do it on the Sabbath. Now, you know, that's twisted, isn't it? That's 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 bizarre. Really wicked people. And so Jesus had some really, really bizarre people to debate with. Now, notice in Matthew, we're going to go to Matthew's account primarily and we're just going to follow through here in, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew until the very end. We'll look at another account. But here in Matthew 11, verse 18, the New Living Translation. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. Jesus said this, and I think it's important that we start with this. Because you need to realize something. You need to realize something just like Jesus realized this. He said, John, this is Matthew 11:18. John... 
that's John the Baptist, didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, that's Jesus referring to himself, the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Now, Jesus realized that no matter what you say or do, people will still find fault and they will criticize. And now you need to understand that. That's just the nature of it. And, you know, John didn't do certain things. And they said he's possessed by a demon. Jesus did do certain things. And they said, well, he's a glutton and a drunkard. Now, was Jesus a glutton or a drunkard? No, no. But yet they said that about him. They falsely accused him. You need to realize that, that there's people out there that that's just the way it's going to be. There's nothing you can do about it except let their criticism run off of you just like water would run off of a duck's back. Is that right? Now, you need to realize that. So if you're going to be a debater, (laughs) you just have to realize that. Now, having said that, look at Matthew 12, verse 9. Matthew 12, verse 9, New Living Translation, Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. See, they didn't care about the man with the deformed hand. They just cared about stickle picking with the law. And notice in verse 11, Jesus answered. He said, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Now, isn't that just, I mean, isn't, aren't these just, aren't these people just horrible? I mean, would, wouldn't it be good to rejoice that the man was healed? Isn't that what we ought to be doing is rejoicing that the man was healed? But no, they're going to call a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. These are some really, really bizarre people that Jesus is dealing with. Verse 15, but Jesus knew, now listen carefully, Jesus knew that uh, what they were planning, so he left that area, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Now listen, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I'll put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout Or raise his voice in public. He will not what? He will not fight. He will not shout. He will not raise his voice in public. You need to realize that about Jesus. And you need to realize that about a good debater. They're not going to fight. They're not going to shout. They're not going to raise their voice in public. In other words, let's put it this way. You're not going to see Jesus doing... He's not going to do that. Did you know that when you do that, it diminishes the words that you speak? Let your words have power. 
When you start getting in somebody's face, when you do that, you're diminishing the words that you speak, the power that's in your words. Let your words have power. Substance is what we're looking for, not theatrics. Substance is always more powerful than being argumentative, yelling, screaming. I learned that teaching junior high. You go in there, you start yelling and screaming at those kids to be quiet or whatever. It works a time or two, but after that, then they're just going to start pushing your buttons. They just want you to scream and yell. Screaming and yelling is not the way to go. Jesus didn't yell. Something else he didn't do. He didn't find fault with physical features. That's a mud pit you don't want to go in. He did not find fault with people's physical features. Do you know any one of us in here? Any one of us in here have physical features that that we could pick on and make you feel horrible about? Including me. Is that, is that right? Don't go there. Jesus was not argumentative. And he was not vulgar. I think we'd all agree with that. There's no place for that. Now the flesh. You got flesh just like me. The flesh likes, the flesh likes to see a good fight. The flesh likes to see a good argument. That's one of the reasons some of these debates have had such uh, high viewing numbers. Let's just be honest about it. Now, it may not be the only reason, but one of the big reasons is, and I'll be honest with you, turn in, maybe they're going to get into a fight. We have to keep our flesh under control, don't we? Jesus is not going to fight with you. But he'll debate, and when he's done, he's going to win. So how would Jesus do it? Matthew 12:22. Let's move on here, keeping that in mind. Matthew 12:22, New King James Version. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? This, could, this be, could Jesus be the one? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, now look at this. You talk about an insult. Listen to this. When the Pharisees heard this, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Now that is an insult of insults. They just insulted the precious Holy Spirit. Just because people insult you, that doesn't mean you have to insult them back. Now, Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom, now now watch this, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? 
And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then plunders his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And then for the sake of time, I won't read it all, but Jesus warns them about the unpardonable sin, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about a tree being known by its fruit. And then in verse 34, if you look at the first part of verse 34 there, Jesus does call them a brood of vipers. Now, he did do that. He called them a brood of snakes. Did you know you can be angry and sin not? And he was very blunt with them. He said, brood of vipers. But you need to realize that his response was just not verse 34. He hit them with substance, 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 substance. Do you know substance is not always entertaining? You see, the flesh likes to hear, oh, you're a bunch of snakes, you're a bunch of this, you're a bunch of that, you're a bunch of the other. That's what the flesh likes to, likes to hear. But let's don't be fleshly, let's don't be carnal, let's be spiritual. Let's look for substance. What, what do you say? Substance needs to be the thing we're looking for, not insult and vulgarity. And so Jesus hits them with substance, 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 substance. And then, and then he does, in verse 34, he can't deny it, he says, you, you're a bunch of snakes. But if the shoe fits, what? And they were a bunch of snakes. Anybody that would talk like that about the Holy Spirit, anybody that is more concerned about you, you healed him on the wrong day of the week, or, you know, the blind man got healed on the wrong day of the week, you know, we're going to kick him out of the synagogue, those people are snakes. So how's Jesus doing so far? He's doing good. It's going to get a whole lot better here as we go. Let's talk about Jesus and taxes. They wanted to see Jesus' tax reports. They questioned him on that. Now, you know, that comes up just about every election, doesn't it? Not just this one, but it comes up just about every one. And they want to know about the candidate's taxes. Well, let's see what Jesus would have done. Look at Matthew 17. Verse 24, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Matthew 17, 24. It'll be on the screen. When they arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the half shekel, the temple tax, went up to Peter and said, now notice, goes up to Peter and says, does your teacher pay the half shekel? And Peter answers, yes. Why, yes. And when he went back to the house when he went when he came home now now what, what happens here is really kind of humorous if you if, if you really see what happened here they asked peter you know we could say peter is jesus campaign manager and they asked they asked peter is uh, is jesus is he going to pay the temple tax and peter says well yes and then he goes back to the house to see if jesus is going <laughs> to see if jesus is going to pay it or not that's really hilarious Because Peter didn't know. Well, yes, yes, he'll release his taxes. Jesus, are you going to release your taxes? I guess that's what a good campaign manager would, would probably do. 
So Peter says, yes, yes. And then he has to go check with Jesus. And when he comes home, Jesus spoke to him about it first. Jesus beat him to it. Jesus is always a step ahead of everybody. You need to realize that. Saying, what do you think, Simon? You know, Simon Peter. From whom do earthly rulers collect duty or tribute? From their own sons or from others, not from their own family. And then Peter said, from other people, not from their own family. Jesus said to him, then the sons are exempt. What Jesus just said to, to, to Peter is, is I'm exempted from this tax. I don't owe it. I don't have to pay it. I don't, I don't need to pay it. I'm under no obligation to pay it. I'm under no obligation to release the taxes. Okay? Verse 27, however, Jesus goes on to say, in order not to give offense and cause them to stumble, that is, cause them to judge unfavorably and unjustly, go down to the sea, throw in a hook, take up the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find there a shekel. Take it and give it to them to pay the temple tax for me and yourself. Did Jesus go ahead and pay the tax? He went ahead and released the tax reports, essentially, didn't he? He went ahead and paid. Did he owe it? Did he have to? Was he under any obligation? No. But he went ahead and did it anyway, didn't he? Why did he do it? Well, the Bible told us in order to not give offense or cause anyone else to stumble. I love Jesus. How about you? He just went ahead and released it. Would Jesus release his tax reports? Sure. You're not going to find anything in his tax reports. I mean, he had Matthew working for him. Matthew was a good tax man, wasn't he? Nothing to hide. Now, once in a while, sometimes tax reports don't get released and there's good reason for it. But most of the time... Go ahead and release it if there's nothing to hide, especially if you're running for a high office like that. Go ahead and release it. So there's no shadow of question. Don't you just love Jesus? All right. Verse, chapter 21, verse 23. Matthew 21, verse 23. Now it really is going to get interesting. New King James Version. Matthew 21:23 When he came into the temple the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching so they interrupted him while he's teaching right in the middle of his teaching and they said by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority Sounds like a question that might come from one of the news networks By what authority are you doing these things Now you're going to learn a good technique a debating technique that Jesus uses here Verse 24, Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing. You see, a lot of times what you do in a debate and what Jesus did is they asked him a question and he said, okay, I'll answer your question if you'll answer mine. Very powerful technique. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll also ask you one thing. Which, which, which if you tell me, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. And then he asked him the question. He says, the baptism of John, where was it from? Was it from heaven or was it from men? And they re reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. 
And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I don't want to debate Jesus, do you? That's very good, isn't it? You don't see any yelling. You don't see any screaming. You don't see any vulgarity there. You don't see any picking on physical attributes. You see a very powerful thing right there. I'll answer your question, but I've got one for you first. Now, this may not entertain your flesh like a vulgarity or something like that. But let me tell you, this is the better way to go. Did you hear me? Substance. Now, Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Were they trying to trip Jesus up? Oh, yeah. They were trying to entangle him in his talk. Verse 16. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, another group of lovely people, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone or you do not regard the person of men. Now, of course, Jesus cared about people. What that means is, is that he was no respecter of persons. And that's, a, that's I'm glad he's that way. And then he says this. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, they're just not going to let this tax thing go. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Did Jesus call them hypocrites? Does the shoe, if the shoe fits, what? Where these people were hypocrites. What do we learn about these people that are trying to entangle him with his talk and talking to him about taxes? I can tell you what I know about them. They weren't paying their taxes. If Jesus called them hypocrites, a hypocrite is somebody that says one thing and does another. They're not paying their taxes. He says this. He says, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. as a coin, you know. He said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, now watch what he says. It's not going to entertain your flesh, but it's the answer. One of the greatest answers ever given. Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Isn't that a cool answer? And when they heard these words, they marveled and left. And what? They left him and went their way. He disarmed him, didn't he? It's just so much fun to watch Jesus disarm these religious hypocrites. He didn't do it with slander. He didn't do it with vulgarity. He didn't pick on their physical attributes. He didn't call them names. He did it with powerful, powerful words. Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. And it disarmed them and they marveled and they left him and went their way. But it gets better. Look at this. Verse 20, Matthew twenty-two twenty-three. The same day the Sadducees. There's another group. I mean, he just had them coming at him. Jesus had these people coming at him. (laughs) One right after the other. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. See, they didn't believe in a resurrection. Now, you and I know from the Word of God there is going to be a resurrection. But these people didn't believe in a resurrection. And they came to Jesus and then they asked him. Now, look at what they asked him. This is really bizarre. Verse 24. Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies... Having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. 
Now, there were uh, with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, see, they didn't believe in a resurrection. In the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. I wouldn't want to have to answer that question. That's a bizarre question, isn't it? I mean, that one make you go, I mean, ah, oh, what a question. They're just trying to trip him up. Aren't they? They're trying to trip him up. Just trying to trip him up. Trying to catch him. Jesus answered and said to them, you're mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Let me tell you something. If you're going to debate, you better know your subject material. And Jesus knew his subject material. At this time, he's somewhere between 30 to 33 years old, somewhere in there. But you need to realize that when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple asking questions of the doctors and the, and, and, and the, the, the theologians. And he was astounding them when he was 12 years old. He knew his subject material. You better know policy. Is that right? I said you better know policy or you're going you're gonna to look like a fool if you get into a debate. Jesus knew the word of God. He knew the law of Moses. He knew, he knew it better than these people. He's the one that gave it, right? You're not, you're mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Verse 30. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Did the, were, was the crowd astonished? The crowd was astonished. Jesus shut these people down. He didn't throw slander. He didn't throw insult. Now he didn't enter. He's not going to entertain your flesh. We're not going to see a, 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 a you know him hitting anybody over the head with a steel chair. None of that. But he'll astonish you. And the crowds. He just disarmed these people. And look at verse 34. One of the coolest verses. I like this verse. And when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees. Isn't that cool? I love that. Jesus shut them up, didn't he? And when the Pharisees heard that he'd silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, so they get probably their best lawyer. And he comes up and asks Jesus a question, testing him. See, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees gathered together, then Jesus, he, he asked them, he responded. And, and oh, this is, watch this. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? So Jesus is asking them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? 
And they said to him, well, the son of David. And he said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord. So now he's quoting scripture to him from the Old Testament. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And I'm sure they're all there going. And no one was able, I love this, and no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Don't you love that? I'll I'll say this, the debate was over. And Jesus won. And you know Jesus didn't care about his poll numbers. He didn't care about political correctness. He cared about the T-R-U-T-H. Is that right? Now, I'm not going to have him put this on the screen, but I just want to tell you, and if you read Matthew 23, you ought to read it sometime. Don't start reading it now, but read it sometime later today. But Jesus... As you read Matthew 23, he said, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He said that again and again. He did use some strong wording. But they had it coming. Just listen, you could read Matthew 23 later, but he, this is the kind of people he was dealing with, these religious leaders. He said, for you shut the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. These, these people he was dealing with, the reason Jesus was blunt with them at times was because they were keeping people from going to heaven. Those, those kind of people do need to be rattled. Is that right? He, he said, you devour widows' houses. These are the kind of people that would kick a widow out and put her, put her on the street. He said, you travel land and sea to win one convert, and when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. These were bad people de- Jesus was dealing with. He said, you, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, you swallow a camel. These people were stickle pickers, nitpickers. They'd nitpick every little bitty thing. And, they'd str- and, 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 and the weightier matters of the law, they, like grace and tr- love and truth and mercy, they overlooked it. That's why he said you'll strain out a gnat out of your, 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 your food or whatever, but then you'll turn around and swallow a camel. He said he called them hypocrites. He said, you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. You cleanse the inside of the cup and, 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 and basically what he said, you're whitewashed tombs. You, you indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Outwardly you appear righteous, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He said, serpents... Brood of vipers, he did use some strong verbiage. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? See, Jesus was, was bold with them. He did use some names there, but they had it coming. He was trying to get them to see that they were on their way to hell and they needed to repent. They needed to change so that not only would they be better off themselves, but that, that they would be... He was trying to get them concerned about the guy that when he said, stretch forth your hand and his hand was healed, he wanted these scribes and Pharisees to be rejoicing over the guy getting healed, not over that he did it on the wrong day of the week. Is 
You see? So Jesus did debate. Great debater, he won every single time. But there was a time when he was brought before the Sanhedrin. Remember when they took him at the Garden of Gethsemane and he was brought before the Sanhedrin and before Pilate and then before Herod. And if you ever noticed, Pilate and Herod teamed up on him to try to get him to debate. And they tag teamed him. And when Pilate couldn't get him to answer, he sent him over to Herod. Herod couldn't get Jesus to answer, so he sent him back to Pilate. You know, there's a time to respond and then there's a time to keep silent. You don't need to always be debating. Sometimes the Spirit of God may have you to debate with somebody. And sometimes there's a time to keep, to keep silent. You hear what I just said? You need to be led by the Spirit of God. There is a time to respond. And then there is a time to keep silent. There's some questions you need to answer. And then there's some questions you don't need to answer. There's sometimes you need to give an answer. But you don't need to give it right now. You need to seek God for a little bit. And find out what he has to say about it. And then give the answer. And always answer in love. Don't ever answer in anger. I've had people over the years that, you know, when I was younger, they'd call me names, you know, and then I'd respond in kind. Now, the people that would do it weren't Christians. So they'd call me names and then I'd respond in kind. And you know the first thing they'd say? They'd say, well, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to be acting like that. And you know they're right. And they had me right there, didn't they? So you don't ever get, you don't ever descend and get down on somebody else's level. Don't ever get in the mud with other folk. Did you hear me? Don't get in the mud. You don't have to get in the mud to win a debate. Correct? There's a time to respond and then there's a time not to respond. And when Jesus was before the Sanhedrin and Pilate and Herod, you know, after they'd taken him, he, he, had, he said some things, but very little. Let's close in John, the eighth chapter, and we'll see one of the greatest debates Jesus was ever in. We'll close right here. It, this, this is only given in John's account, so we'll turn over there. One of the greatest debates of all time, and Jesus won. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. New King James Version. It'll be on the screen. John 8, 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now let's get in verse 2. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Jesus comes into the temple from the Mount of Olives, comes to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Let me ask you a question. Did these religious leaders care about that woman? 
did they care about the man she was having adultery with? They didn't care. They didn't care about the woman. They didn't care about the man. All they cared about was trying to trip Jesus up in a debate. And now they're going to get this woman. I wouldn't be surprised if these, now I can't prove it, but I wouldn't be surprised if these religious leaders set the thing up. They obviously knew where she was going to be and what she was going to be doing. Now, I don't know that they set it up, but they knew that she was going to be there. And they went in and took her right out of the bed and brought her down and threw her at Jesus' feet. They didn't care about her. They didn't care about anything. All they wanted to do was trip Jesus up and win the debate. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. You see, they put Jesus, listen to me, they put Jesus in a catch-22. Does anybody know what a catch-22 is? You can't win either way you go. If he says, if he says don't stone her, then what does Jesus just say? He says, he's, if he says, don't stone her, he just has broken the law of Moses, hasn't he? If he says stoner, now he's just contradicted his teaching of love and forgiveness that he's been doing for the last months and months and months. Right? He's in a catch-22, but remember this. When you put Jesus in a catch-22, he's going to put you in a catch-44. <laughs> Don't ever put Jesus in a catch-22 because you're going to find yourself in a catch-44. You know what that is? It's a double-22. Jesus stooped down, verse 6, and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Did he answer right away? He didn't answer right away. He's going to bide some time. I believe he's waiting on the Holy Spirit. He stooped down to give him some direction. He stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Sometimes you just need to ignore some people. Ignore some things. Hmm? Just ignore it as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, have you ever seen a news reporter that's been asked to sit down and they just keep right on? You ignore them and then they keep on and then sit down and they keep on. They just kept on. They continued asking. So Jesus raised himself up and said to them, greatest answer in the Bible, I think, in a debate situation. This is, this is slick. This is cool. I love it. He didn't yell it. He didn't scream it. He, 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 he didn't slander with it. No mud slinging. He just gave him the greatest answer. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. That is cooler than cool. I said that is cooler than cool. Did he tell him to break the law of Moses? No. He didn't tell him to stone her. He didn't tell him not to stone her. He just said, he that was without sin, go ahead and do it. Right? Is that your reading of it? Is that the way you see it? He didn't tell him not to stone her. Did he? He didn't tell him not to stone her. He's not going to break the law. Jesus doesn't break the law. When you stand up there and debate, you've got to know what the law is and you can't be breaking the law. Is that right? 
Is that right? You need to know what the law is, and then you don't break it or tell anybody else to break it. Is that right? You better know your subject material. He didn't tell them not to stone her. Because if he'd have said don't stone her, then he's breaking the law, the law of Moses, because the law of Moses did say that. He didn't tell them not to stone her. He said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Greatest answer. Greatest debate answer ever given. Better than anything Ronald Reagan has ever did. He had some good ones, didn't he? Greater than any answer that's ever been given. I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen the Lincoln-Douglas debates. That would have been cool. But this is the greatest answer in a debate situation you'll ever see right here. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now if you'll notice here, Jesus, if you study up above, he came from a time of prayer. He came from a time of prayer. And... uh He didn't answer right away. He ignored the question. He was biding time, I believe, waiting on the Holy Spirit to give him the answer. Remember, he was God, all right, but he wasn't operating here in the earth as God at the time. Jesus was operating as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. Though he was 100% God, he was waiting on the Holy Spirit, I believe. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit, waiting on him to give him the answer. We need to wait on the Holy Spirit before we answer some things. And don't get down in the mud, just answer in love. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Greatest answer. He got out of that catch-22, didn't he? And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Some people want to ask, well, what was he writing on the ground? I I, I don't know. We could argue and there's some things I could tell you, but let's don't get tripped up on there. Let's... He had the answer, didn't he? I said he had the answer, didn't he? I said he had the answer, didn't he? And those who heard it, verse 9, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one. They start walking off one at a time, didn't they? They start leaving the debate, didn't they? Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Sometimes those younger ones. Those young whippersnappers, you know, sometimes they'll hold out longer. I've dealt with some of them young whippersnappers over the years. They got it all figured out. I used to be one of them. Thank God we can grow up and be softened by the Holy Spirit. They drop their rocks. I tell you what, you get in a debate with Jesus, you'd be dropping your rocks and leaving. Is that right? Those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. Say they left him alone. He disarmed them with the answer. And the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? So she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Now Jesus... According to everything that was said and done there, he was the only one that had the right to stone her. According to the law of Moses and according to he was without sin, wasn't he? 
So he was the only one there qualified to stone her. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Do you know, Jesus never fired on an unarmed person. Did you get what I just said? What do I mean by that? Those religious doctors of the law, those hypocrites, those religious people, they fired on Jesus. He had Jesus had a lot of what they call incoming. You know what I mean? Incoming fire. And Jesus would respond at times. But they those, those religious people had it coming, didn't they? And they needed it. But this woman here, Jesus dealt differently with sinners and differently with people that didn't know as much as him. He dealt differently with them than he did with these religious scholars. We need to understand that too. When we've got someone outgunned and outnumbered, we don't need to pick on them. Did you hear what I just said? When you get in the middle of something and you know that you, you, you are more well versed on something than someone else... Don't don't pick on that person and make them look like a fool in, in front of other people. Did you hear what I just said? You know, there's people that I can take the word of God and I can make them look like an absolute village idiot. Did you understand that? I can take mathematics and make people look like a village idiot because I've studied it. But, you know, fixing a car, you can make me look like a village idiot. Right? I don't know anything about a car. I know how to start it up. So don't ever... When you're in a situation with someone that's not your equal, you know, don't, don't ever take the opportunity to make them look like a fool. You okay with that? You alright? Because you wouldn't want them to do that to you. Right? And he says, neither do I, con- don't you love Jesus? Neither do I condemn you. But now he didn't condone her sin. He said, go and what? Sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to, to them again. Now he's speaking to his disciples. Because these other folks had gone home. They left. He said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Did you learn anything today? Let me summarize and say this to you. Jesus knew his subject matter, and he answered with substance. He never said things, listen to me, he never said things simply to win people's approval. He never stepped outside the word of God to prove a point. He did not pick on people's physical attributes. He was not argumentative or vulgar. He did not feel he had to answer every question or accusation. And he thought things through and he prayed and waited on the Holy Spirit before answering. Let's be that same way. Let's follow the light of the world. Jesus